Welcome to the workshop. The workshop is more than an adult Sunday school. The workshop is a systematic discipleship program for teens and adults, which takes place Sunday morning prior to the service. Our focus is to be building disciples that are grounded in the basic principles of the gospel for spiritual health and for service, and to be equipped to minister broadly to meet spiritual needs around them and to develop and use their particular giftedness for the good of Christ's church. We typically run three 10 to 12 week semesters per year in the fall, winter, and spring. And we look at having some kind of missions project during the summer. If you're interested in finding out more about the workshop, please feel free to contact our administrator at New West Community Church and you can find us on the web at newwestcommunitychurch.com. Thanks very much. Take care. church what a glorious day so when I woke up this morning I felt like we're back to Christmas it's Christmas all over again in February so that's amazing I was touching Beth when I walked towards the washroom I told her pray for me as I speak you know see my hands are very cold and I told Pastor Tim, this is not something I'm very eager to do, so I can take all the time I can to delay it. <laughs> but we got to do it, because this is the work of the Lord. So, um, I guess I know everyone here. Okay. I don't need to do a personal introduction. All right, so uh, praise God. Today we are given, or I was charged to speak on a topic that is uh, something we all know, something we all do almost mindlessly, because this is, so, I think, especially for other cultures, it's almost like in your DNA. And uh, this is the topic of not welcome prayer. That's not the topic. We did that already. See, I, this is the thing. I, it's hard for me to like coordinate when I speak and doing the PowerPoint. So bear with me if I miss some slides, but I'll try my best. We are going to be talking about hospitality. I'm just glad it's not the theology of the Trinity. <laughs> I was like, okay, I, I will be able to, to cross this somehow for sure, but praise the Lord. <laughs> hospitality, not that it is an easy topic though, not that I'm discounting that, you know, it's, it's easy, but uh, uh, perhaps the only reason I'm, I'm charged to do this is because I work in the hotel industry. <laughs> so that kind of makes sense. All right, so uh, hospitality, let's quickly define it according to uh, Merriam-Webster, that it is a generous and friendly treatment of visitors and guests. Yeah, you agree so far? Okay. It is the relationship between a guest and host. We're in the wherein the host receives the guest with some goodwill, amount of goodwill, oftentimes includes food, reception, entertainment. You know, we all know that. We all like to be welcomed, received, and uh, entertained. So it's derived from the word hospice or hospice, an Arab word. And uh, hospice is formed from hostis which means stranger or enemy. But by figure of speech, in the Latin word, hospital means a guest chamber or guest lodging or an inn. And hospice or hostess is thus the root word for the English word, words, host, hospitality, hospice, hostel, and hotel. There you go. All right, so let's quickly look at some historical uh, background or, and concepts. So in ancient cultures, hospitality involved welcoming people, welcoming strangers, and offering them food, shelter, and uh, safety. 
Now, back in the day, you know, when they travel, people travel, they, they don't have Uber then. They don't have cars and stuff like that. It takes long. It takes days or months or weeks to, to go from one point to another. By the time they get to a certain destination, um, you can just imagine how tired they can be, right? And so people in that area would offer taking them in, right? The idea is that if it's their turn to go, then hopefully they would also be treated the same way, right? So there's that mentality of we'll do this because we want to be treated that way. In Greek society, a person's ability to abide by the laws of hospitality uh, determined nobility and social standing. So it's, it's quite important. In, in, in ancient Greek culture, it, it denotes that you are of noble, you know, that you are able to uh, uh, be around no, nobles and be able to interact and engage, right? In the India and Nepal, hospitality is based on the princi principle ativi divo bhava. It means God or the guest is God. This principle is shown in a number of stories where a guest is revealed, revealed to be a god who rewards the provider of hospitality. So they have that thinking that we, we, we have to treat these guests special because it could be a god, right? And you know they have like millions of gods. Um, and then um, in Celtic societies, uh, Aside from giving them shelter, entertaining, uh, you know, and providing for their uh, basic needs, they also make sure that the stranger they're hosting is not there to harm them. So their hospitality has a certain um, uh, degree of, uh, of uh, that's right, thank you. They have to be careful because they don't know, right? They have to have that certain boundary of making sure that, you know, we'll, we'll treat you right, but we're going to watch you. We're going to watch you, okay? And then um, in the Islam or Muslims, uh, well, first thing they do when they would extend hospitality or even just to greet somebody is to say the words, Assalamu alaikum, right? This is how they express uh, receiving somebody by greeting them Assalamu alaikum. Um, and it's very important in their culture uh, that hospitality is observed in, in, in business, in their dealings with people, in trades. So um, that's something that is very evident in their culture. Now, in Judaism, in Old Testament, the practice of hospitality, as we know, is largely based on the example of Abraham. We'll, we'll delve into that a little bit more later. And Lot. And in Hebrew, the practice is called, I try to practice this. <clears throat> it's called Hakshanat ah, Ochkim. There's that in, in your back of your throat, meaning welcoming guests. Okay? So, besides other explanations, hosts are expected to provide nourishment, comfort, entertainment for their guests. And at the end of their visit, it is customary for the Jewish people to escort their guests out of their home and wishing them a safe journey. So it's not like just receiving them. They do the full circle of bringing them out, making sure that they are headed out safely and that they will bid well, you know, bid them well and, and bless them, in fact. So in the New Testament, the word hospitality from the Greek word philozenia comes from a compound of love and stranger. Right, so therefore hospitality has its origin literally in love for strangers or for outsiders. So fast forward in our modern concept and usage, our present society has, simply, has simplified hospitality to entertaining friends and family or greeting people at the foyer of the church and offering a free cup of coffee. It has also been uh, synonymous to hotel, to hotel business and other service industries. Now the idea of hospitality in hotels is generally about providing space, customized service for varied guests, and it's also closely associated with practice of proper etiquette. Sophisticated entertainment 
and ultimately physical comfort. The level service rendered to hotel guests varies and is hinged to a guest's loyalty, spending capacity, and membership level. So if I'm going to be very honest with you, not that we treat people differently in the hotel business, but we do. <laughs> it is what it is. Needless to say, hospitality in the hotel industry is primarily influenced by profit and retention potentials. So a lot of our guests can get away with so many things by simply saying the words, but I'm a diamond member. So when we check in people, that's the first thing that comes up into the system. Mr. Smith is coming back. He's staying from this time to this time. He's a VIP diamond slash platinum, whatever. They're, the levels are crazy now. And with that membership come, comes privileges. And it's all listed there. You have to mention that when the guest checks in. So it's that entitlement that you like, oh, yeah, you know, we, we want to let you know which you probably already know, but we want to let you know that this is who you are to us. But in today's workshop, we are veering away from the idea of hospitality as observed in our very commercialized society or culture. And regardless of our varying cultures or backgrounds, no culture or race or people can ultimately claim exclusive rights to the origin of hospitality. You agree with me on that? Because only God can. Our main focus today is to look at hospitality through the lens of our Christian faith. And by doing so, my hope is that towards the end, we won't just be reminded of what the Bible teaches or says about it, but that we will be encouraged to... There you go. Can forget. <laughs> but today, I'm, I, I hope that we will be encouraged to cultivate a hospitable heart as we welcome guests to our church, our homes, and even in our lives. Tall order, huh? And number two, that we will develop a deeper appreciation of this sacred duty within the bounds of honoring God. All right. Okay, so now that that's there, we will try to see if we will achieve that at the end of our workshop. But the reality is, practicing hospitality is not always easy. It may appear easy, it may appear as something natural for most people, but oftentimes it's not easy. So we'll... Deal with these big questions as we go along. How does it look like in our daily living? And how far can one go to be truly hospitable? Have you ever thought of those questions in regard to this? So we will attempt to address these questions as we go along, but the way we can do that is first to, to understand, define what it is, and why it is important for us to understand it. Right? So as we know, the Bible is replete with teachings on hospitality, which all point to God himself, who is the perfect embodiment of this virtue. From the moment God created a place for his creation in Genesis 1, to the giving of his son for our salvation, is found in the Gospels, and to the final dwelling that he has prepared for his people in Revelation 21, tells us that God is the ultimate host. He prepared everything. He sets everything up that we would be without a dwelling, that we would not have hope that we would not have the promised redemption and the promised eternal home. And so that's why only God 
can claim full exclusive rights to the origin of it. Because in the beginning, in Genesis 1, what did he say? God created. God provided a place for his creatures. So, as we go along, we, well, let's try to, because we know that the Bible is, uh, is replete with many accounts and characters and stories of hospitality. But let, let's try to just bring up a few common ones or prominent ones. And, of course, as we mentioned earlier, one of them is Abraham. When he met with uh, three strangers. So, in Genesis 18, verses 2 to 5, or from verse 1, it says, And the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre, as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O oh Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree while I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves. And after that, you may pass on since you have come to your servant. And so they said, do as you have said. So here is Abraham, a man who is so welcoming that he he went up and ran to these men, not knowing who they are, offered his home, offered to bring, uh, offered to wash their feet, to, to, to bring food, to bring bread, and that um, showing us today that he is someone who really has that servant attitude. He, he was very eager to serve them. Which reminds us today that we too should also be willing to show hospitality even when we may not be expecting it. I remember when I was young growing up in the Philippines. You know, we live in this co compound of apartments. And of course, because days have changed, right? Whenever there's a stranger coming right in front of our house, our, my parents, or particularly my mom's immediate, or my aunt, who, because we always have extended family living with us, wherever adult is with us, they would grab the children, get inside, get inside, shut the door. That's whenever there's a stranger coming into our compound. Because the, the compound we live in, it's almost like a, a comfort zone for us. It's like a... Uh, we, we need to know who's in our compound. We don't want strangers in there. In fact, I almost got kidnapped when I was eight years old. And perhaps that's the reason why. So the natural inclination is to, to, to let's, let's keep the children inside. Let's be safe. Lock the door. No one entertains anyone you don't know. Abraham was clear it wasn't like that. So anyway, let's go on. Rahab is another account or a character in the Bible in Joshua. As we know, um, when God led Joshua and the people to take back the land of Canaan, they first had to defeat the evil city of Jericho. And so spies were sent. Spies were sent to scout the land. And the prostitute Rahab sheltered them, took them in. And then later on in the chapter, as we know, with this Rahab's uh, act of hospitality, it kept the spice safe. They were kept from harm. And because of her hospitality and faith in God, Rahab and their whole family got saved from the destruction of Jericho. So what does that teach us? It teaches us that no, no matter who you are, because we know what Rahab's background is, right? No matter who you are, you can still show hospitality to others. There's no qualification or character standards. 
Doesn't matter. Number three, the story of the Good Samaritan, of course, in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37, is a lovely picture of what ultimately hospitality should look like. And it's all about how we, like the Good Samaritan, can love our neighbors no matter who they are. That's tough. Also, the Good Samaritan expected nothing in return. It's getting tougher. But in the same way, we should show generous hospitality to others who may not necessarily who we may not necessarily like, who may not necessarily be like us. And it can be very inconvenient. That is hospitality. We can actually stop right there. Fourth character would be Lydia of Thyatira in Acts. So Lydia was a wealthy woman, a dealer in purple dyes, whose heart was opened by God to Paul's teaching. So she got baptized. And then she and her household were saved. Out of that joy and gratitude, she graciously hosted Paul, Timothy, and Silas. And the account said she prevailed upon them. So even a new believer is able and capable to be hospitable. You don't have to be a long-time Christian to be able to extend hospitality. So those are just a few of, again, the many accounts in the Bible where we would be um, drawing, understanding, and teaching about biblical hospitality. And what these characters teach us is not just the importance of it, but it, they showed us how it affects others, how their hospitality is able to um, touch others, their lives, change their lives. All right. But we live in this postmodern world. And hospitality these days looks so different, isn't it? But has the principle really changed for us as Christians? So I looked up for more for a more contemporary definition or definitions of biblical hospitality online. And I've come across with two um, definitions, one from Rosaria Butterfield and Craig Kraft. So who is Rosaria Butterfield? Probably Pastor Paul would, would, would know her very well because she used to espouse feminine and LGBTQ philosophies and she would be an activist for these causes. And um, she's a writer, a speaker, a homemaker, a, a tenured, a former tenured professor of English at uh, Syracuse University. She's widely known for her autobiography, The Secret Thoughts of an Unlikely Convert. So she said, Christianity or Christian hospitality is one of the most misunderstood concepts in our church today. So what is hospitality? Hospitality simply is this. It is meeting that stranger and embracing that stranger as a neighbor and meeting a neighbor and by God's power, embracing that neighbor as someone who will be part of the family of God. Hospitality is not entertainment. It is not meant to show off what you know how to do well. Hospitality is living your transparent Christian life before a watching world that despises you. We started practicing daily, practicing daily hospitality to respond to a crisis in our neighborhood, and we realized that the regularity of it was not only easier on our family, but very fruitful for evangelism. End quote. Now, the story of Rosaria, again, she was a 
postmodernists, hostile to the gospel, to Christians, particularly to the group uh, Promise Keepers. And that's where it started. She wrote an article about it, bashing it, attacking it. And there was a pastor by the name Ken Smith read her article. I think he is, he is a chaplain or a pastor in the same area or in the same university. He invited Rosaria, he and his wife, over dinner. And the rest is history. That's where she got converted. That simple act of inviting Rosaria over dinner prompted her to write her third book, which is entitled, The Gospel Comes with a House Key. Practicing Radically Ordinary Hospitality in Our Post-Christian World. So I'm actually thinking of buying this book. Isn't that amazing that over that simple dinner, a person of this caliber, of a person of this hostile behavior over the gospel can change? All right, we're going to quickly head on to the next ones. I don't want to delay because we're running out of time. So Craig Kraft uh, is another, he came up with another uh, description here. He's the executive director of Outreach Canada. He said, hospitality is a powerful practice with the potential to bring restoration and revitalization to souls in need. It is a virtue espoused in scripture through God's earliest interactions with the patriarchs, right through the teachings of Jesus and the apostles. Often misunderstood in our modern uh, Western context, hospitality rediscovered allows hosts and guests to experience a taste of God's love and grace through their interactions with each other. When Christians practice the command to love one another, they are reflecting the hospitality of God. End of quote. Now, these are very acceptable definitions of hospitality. But I, I'm sure you will all agree with me that the best definition that remains true for us today comes from the very word of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is as simple as the Lord's words in Mark 12, 31. Never grows old. Straight, five words. It is what it is. So short as, as it may seem, but it is a loaded statement. So now that we have a framed idea of what biblical hospitality is, we can now address why it is important to understand uh, and understand it. And scriptures can help us. Okay? Now, at this point, I will be putting up scripture references here. You can quickly look at it, reference to it as you quickly discuss within your group. You can choose a verse or two within your group, and the only thing we want to do here, we're not going to exegete the passage, okay? We're just going to come up with a word or two. Come up with a word or two that you will think that um, the scripture passage imply pertaining to hospitality, okay? So come up with a word or two so you don't really have to delve into the context, much of it, but really just to what would this passage, what is this passage implying pertaining to hospitality? So quickly look at it, choose a word, I mean a passage or two, and just quickly throw it amongst yourselves within your group. And then just, my word is this, my word is that. And then we'll quickly write them down here because our objective is that we would try to understand with a common statement, why biblical hospitality is important. Okay, that is our, our goal. We'll come up with a common statement based on what these passages imply. Okay, Let's do that in five minutes. <laughs> you don't have to choose all of them. Just choose one or two. Choose one or two. Just pick one or two among the sets here. Sure, let's do set one, set two, three, four, five. 
All right, so one, two, three, four, five. All right. Hospitality, one word or two in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, <laughs> 4, 3, 2, 1. We really don't want to overthink. That is the point of the exercise. All right, let's come up with table number one. One word or two. All right? Equal? Equal. All right, any other words? Same, equal, yeah, okay. That's two words, okay, that's allowed. Demonstrate, love, okay. All right, this table. Sincerity, okay. Oh, this is all dying now. All right, sincerity, okay. What passage is that? Oh, that is a story of the Lord Jesus saying, saying that if you do this to your brothers, you do it to me? Okay, all right. Any, any other words? No exceptions. Ooh. All right. All right. Uh, Hannah? That's too heavy. I can't. <laughs> so that's for all of you now, okay? All right. Uh, last table. So let's, let's stream it line a bit more so we could come up with that one common statement. So equal, I think it implies, what do you think? It implies when somebody tells, huh? Doesn't matter who, okay? All right? So we see love here a lot, right? Love, love. I heard another one say love, okay? So demonstrate, these are key words here, demonstrating, we honoring, pursuing. How about the words, oh, you're doing the whole phrase, okay, you're coming up with your own statement now, okay, all right. That's, that's definitely a good one. Anyone else? So pursue it, okay. So when you're pursuing, when you're demonstrating, and when you're, uh, putting in effort to make sure everything is, or everyone is equal, it, it denotes an action, right? Intentional, you know? So there is that intention to do something because it is what? What does it imply? It implies a command, right? Love one another. It, so it's an action word, love, love, demonstrate, Pursue, it's an action. It's, they're all actions, so it implies command, correct? All right, so command. What else did we get here? The word honor. Because God is pleased when we obey his command, right? What else? How about in Colossians 3, 23 to 24, what does it talk about? And Matthew 25, 34 to 36. There is the word inheritance or reward, right? That if we do this, God welcomes us this kingdom and our glorious reward awaits, right? And then Genesis 1. Did anyone take Genesis 1, 1, 1, and Revelation 20? Oh, that's uh, the last set there? No. So in Genesis 1, God created. In Revelation 21, he talked about the heaven and the new earth being provided for us. So it reveals God's work. It reveals his eternal plan. Correct? So with this idea, biblical hospitality is important primarily because it is a command. It denotes, it implies action. It implies that we do something, right? Because when we do it, we honor God. We honor God. And God rewards us. 
pay rewards are being hospital, hospitable with inheritance. So if we're going to sum it up in a um, preconceived common statement, courtesy of me, <laughs> because we don't have time. Let's just agree, okay? No questions. Biblical hospitality initiated by God, because again, Genesis 1 to the end, it's all Him. All Him. Initiated by God from beginning to end is a command. With the promise of glorious inheritance to His children, us, right? Whose sacrificial love and service to one another bear witness to the world, the goodness and glory of God. Okay? Now, this might be a run-on, but no one's checking my sentence structure here, okay? But you get the idea, okay? You get the idea. That's what it is. That's why we need to understand the importance of biblical hospitality. All right? But, okay, let's now, now, now that we agree. We, do we agree, right? Because I'm not going to move forward if we don't agree. <laughs> Pastor Paul? No, okay, I was like making sure, uh, if there's one person here I would want to agree, that will be you. So, please don't disagree. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, so, we got that out of the picture now, settled, we're all settled. Now we can go to, now how does this really look like in our day-to-day -day thing? It's a command, right? It's us reflecting to the world the goodness and glory of God. Okay, how does that look like? Okay, so let's address that first question. How can we practice biblical hospitality in our daily lives? How do we do it? How far can one go to be truly hospitable? So we can practice biblical hospitality in our daily lives by applying the principle of the words of the Lord. Again, we go back to the Lord's words. Love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? Now, before we go to these two kinds of hospitality, let me quickly say that what does the Lord mean or what could we uh, get from that uh, charge of loving our neighbors as ourselves. Because this is very important that we do, we understand that as we love our neighbors, as we uh, pursue biblical hospitality, that we are guided with these words. Love your neighbor as yourself implies that we should love our neighbors within the confines or boundaries of a God-honoring love for ourselves. Okay? It is that we are called to love our neighbors within the confines or boundaries of a God-honoring love of ourselves. That sets the limit. That phrases the demarcation line there. Okay? The assumption here is that our love for ourselves is absolutely less than our love for God, but leveled to our love for our neighbors. Because loving ourselves or loving our neighbors more than we should is actually idolatry. Because we subject ourselves to a greater self-love or neighborly love. And therefore, for us to avoid this pitfall, we can be truly hospitable with a balanced approach involving external and internal efforts or hospitality. So let's go there right away. Two kinds, external, internal. What does it say? It is both affection and action in tandem. Service rendered with heart and hands. Goes hand in hand. It's like an airplane. That needs to have two wings. Okay? So external hospitality. So how do we do this every day? Let's do our daily, let's, let's imagine here normal duties, normal interactions, engagements, uh, to, to, to just hammer it uh, down. So external hospitality, how could that look like in our day to day? External hospitality is something like hosting a guest. Okay? your home, a church. Doesn't matter if your space is limited. Doesn't matter if your space is limited. That is the external hospitality, doing the actual hosting. But what does internal hospitality, how does it look like? Looks like this. You would be praying first. You would be deciding to host a manageable number of people within your capacity and within your means. Between my wife and I, this is a struggle for us. She likes hosting people, many people. But that's coming out of her generous heart. Right? But we have a very small space. It's almost always like a struggle 
to, to meet that, how much, how many people do we need to invite? Can we invite? Things like this. So are you following the, the pattern here? So external hospitality is actually doing the act. Internal hospitality is where is that coming from? Okay. Second example. External hospitality, when someone needs a ride, but out of your way. Internal hospitality begins with having that intention of happily offering a ride. Now, even just to a midpoint. Now, I know nowadays it's not common, especially with the gas prices. It's becoming norm that we don't necessarily offer rides because, well, I don't want to be burning gas. But we need to do this, friends. Okay, third, um, external hospitality. A friend needs help to move but you have planned to chillax on that Super Bowl weekend. We need to offer help without grumbling. For Peter, right? We need to offer help. Because you never know when it's your turn to move. <laughs> you never know when you're gonna be needing that help to bring that leather couch inside a very tight elevator. Can do that yourself. So, right? Basic, these are all basic, okay. External hospitality can look like giving away stuff. Oh, we love doing this. Giving away stuff, right? But please, eternal hospitality, let's be respectful and check the expiry date. Right? Extending hospitality with goods or gifts at times may have a stamped expiry date. Make sure not to give things that are close to being spoiled, worn out, or broken in guise of being hospitable. You wouldn't want those things for yourself anyway. That's probably why you want to give it away, right? External hospitality can also look like offering a temporary shelter. Now, not a lot of people can do this, right? How does it look like internally? We graciously provide a comfortable, decent, what, options within an agreed period of time, that it will not result in disagreement, resentment, or abuse. Why? Because if that is not established, the line between hospitality and hostility is very fine. That if you're not careful, it'll, it can be very messy. Right? All right, external hospitality can also look like responding to an urgent short-term need or a not-so-urgent, but a long-term need. Internal hospitality. We have to prudently agree, keyword is prudently agree, to a reasonable way to help, not by being coerced, or out of false guilt, but by defined terms and dynamics that will work for all, right? If the, urgent, if the need is urgent, simply do what you can or give what you have at the moment. But if it's not urgent, take time to plan. And in both cases, pray for wisdom. So many relationships are broken because of misguided hospitality. And this happens even to churches, to Christians, to brothers, to families. Because we don't process it this way. We just jump on the situation and do, and thinking that we're being hospitable without really internalizing it, without really asking, is this a God-honoring love? Okay? All right. So when we consider these two kinds of hospitality and intentionally practice the principle regularly, it sets us up for an, an effective ministry to a stranger and harmonious fellowship with one another. Because anyone can actually do the acts of hospitality, the external dimension. You can provide food, bed, shelter, and even at times finances, right? But the inner dimension requires wisdom and a change of heart. It is only true hospitality when it is done with discernment and love because being hospitable doesn't mean 
that we can't keep a single thing for ourselves or that we won't have boundaries with people whatsoever. But it does mean that we can generously serve and love people within the confines or boundaries of a God-honoring love. That's how we do it, folks. So God-honoring love. Now, those are the previous ones we were talking about were like our day-to-day thing, right? We need to process things that way. How does this look like externally, internally? It is God-honoring. Is this love God-honoring? It will only be God-honoring if it stems from our love of God by loving Him with all our heart, our soul, our strength, our mind. And when we do that, when we really begin to learn to love God with everything that we have, with everything that we are, expect your hospitality to be stretched. Expect your hospitality to be stretched. And that stretching of your hospitality can look like, or can mean like, you need to care for someone who is hard to love. Have you been there? Right? That stretching of your hospitality can look like forgiving and reconciling with someone who may have wronged you. It can look like you humbling yourselves admitting that you actually made a mistake. It can be you letting go of your comforts for someone else who you deem undeserving of it. Or it could mean that you would not be giving up when your love is not reciprocated or recognized. Last but not least, it could also mean you giving up control. We never thought of this as acts of hospitality, right? We never, but it is. Because if it is a God-honoring act, God-honoring love, guess what? We can be in these situations. The question is, is our God-honoring love rooted to loving God? Because loving God then allows us to love our neighbors. Okay, I'm going to quickly wrap it all up. God-honoring love can bring us to the point of surrender, to wait, to trust, to let go. I'm sure all of us have been there. Some of us may still be there. And my wife and I have been there. Not too long ago, my wife, my wife and I took over in looking after my mom when we took her, when my dad passed away in 2009, shortly after she was diagnosed with dementia. We took her in, in her little apartment, two-bedroom, All of us crammed in one room. We gave the one room to mom. As any children, it's a normal thing to do, especially for a culture. So she was with us for a good seven years. But within that seven years, it was coming to a point, before that seventh year, before it led to that seven year, it was coming to the point that it was becoming difficult. It wasn't difficult to love mom, but it was becoming difficult to deal with her, with the struggles that we are seeing. Now the question was, when is the point that we need to let go of mom? If we do that, we're not, are we no longer being hospitable? Are we no longer doing God-honoring love for her? How do we draw the line? It was tough. February 16, 2016, seven years after, when we first took her in, we got a call that there is a place available for mom We struggle bringing her there because we're like, do we really do this now? How do we know it is the right time? We knew it was the right time because when we brought her there, and this was mom already very confused. She would utter words that don't make sense. But at that moment when we brought her there, she saw the place, she started crying, and we're like, that's it. We're going home. We're not going to leave her here. For me, that was my sign. If she doesn't want here, no question, we'll take her back in. She was crying, and then when we were taking her home, she said, no, no, I'll stay. The reason I'm crying is because I see that you guys love me. This is somebody who has no longer control of our mental thinking. But at that very moment, she was very lucid, very objective, very loving. 
And I was like, wow. Went back to the car to get mom's, she didn't even go with us to pick up her things. She said, go home, pack my stuff, bring it over here. So my wife and I went to the car, turned on the car. First thing that came up to the car's song, I'm your good, good father. <laughs> I lost it. It was like God telling me that you are honoring your mom, you're loving your mom because you're loving her to the point that you should. You're not going beyond to the point wherein you're taking my place to love her. That is God honoring love. We love, we do the acts of hospitality only to the point that we are allowed by God because beyond that, it's His. We need to trust God. There will be a moment in our lives when we will have to cross that path of wanting to take a step further. But if you do it, you're actually sinning. But if you stay, take a step back and let go and tell God, this is yours. All yours. So friends, let us be encouraged. Let us be encouraged that God allows us to love our neighbors up to the point that we honor Him. Let's always remember that there will be moments, there will be times, only God can do it for you. Let's pray.